so let me tell you. Uh, as I've already said, I was at a teaching conference. There were a lot of teachers that were there. Every single one of them referenced Andy Stanley's message last week. Every single one of them. Not by name initially, but then someone said, so I'm going to just reference the same pastor that no one seems to be willing to admit what his name is. So, and he came out and said it. But, you know, and, and, you know we post messages online and this, this particular message, I've retitled his, I don't know if I said this last week, but it came to me, I think I did, that this message series was called Aftermath. It should be called the Aftermath of Those Darn Jews, right? But here's the deal. That was, that was Downer Dan territory. That was what you needed to know. That was important for you to know. What's so interesting about that is that the two days before that message was sent to me, I was at a conference at North Point Community Church. Monday and Tuesday, learning about community, learning about building and strengthening communities within your congregations and everywhere. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I learned so much, and I had come home that week prepared to share that with you, and, and, and I'm going to. But then that happened, and so I had to give you that first. So today, we're going to be positive about North Point Community Church, and we're going to be positive about Andy Stanley. I don't in any way, in any way, subscribe to what he's saying, but we're going to take from what is seemingly untakeable, a community who teaches things like that, we're going to take those good things and we're going to use them for the advancement of the kingdom of God. There are things that I'm going, first of all, we're, I, I might I might pull two verses from the Bible today. So I'm not going to be teaching from the Bible. You know, this message is called Set Before You Life and Death. And last week we had the death of the Torah. Today is the Torah of life. Notice that we change the words around because nothing having to do with Torah should have death come first. The Torah of life. I'm going to show you a very, very, very strange video to start this off. It's a five minute video, so you can just kick back. There's a point in the middle of it where there's some weird thing that they show on this YouTube video, so Caleb's gonna pull that off to the side, and then we'll come back and watch the rest of it, okay? So, you are gonna watch this and you're going to ask yourself, what in the absolute world is he talking about? And we'll get there today. What causes, say, heroin addiction? This is a really stupid question, right? It's obvious, we all know it. Heroin causes heroin addiction. Here's how it works. If you use heroin for 20 days, by day 21, your body would physically crave the drug ferociously because there are chemical hooks in the drug. That's what addiction means. But there's a catch. Almost everything we think we know about addiction is wrong. If you, for example, break your hip, you'll be taken to a hospital and you'll be given loads of diamorphine for weeks or even months. Diamorphine is heroin. It's in fact much stronger heroin than any addict can get on the street because it's not contaminated by all the stuff drug dealers dilute it with. There are people near you being given loads of deluxe heroin in hospitals right now. So at least some of them should become addicts. 
but this has been closely studied. It doesn't happen. Your grandmother wasn't turned into a junkie by her hip replacement. Why is that? Our current theory of addiction comes in part from a series of experiments that were carried out earlier in the 20th century. The experiment is simple. You take a rat and put it in a cage with two water bottles. One is just water, the other is water laced with heroin or cocaine. Almost every time you run this experiment, the rat will become obsessed with the drugged water and keep coming back for more and more until it kills itself. But in the 1970s, Bruce Alexander, a professor of psychology, noticed something odd about this experiment. The rat is put in the cage all alone. It has nothing to do but take the drugs. What would happen, he wondered, if we tried this differently? So he built Rat Park, which is basically heaven for rats. It's a lush cage where the rats would have colored balls, tunnels to scamper down, plenty of friends to play with, and they could have loads of sex, everything a rat about town could want. And they would have the drugged water and the normal water bottles. But here's the fascinating thing. In Rat Park, rats hardly ever use the drugged water. None of them ever use it compulsively. None of them ever overdose. But maybe this is a quirk of rats, right? Well, helpfully, there was a human experiment along the same lines, the Vietnam War. 20% of American troops in Vietnam were using a lot of heroin. People back home were really panicked because they thought there would be hundreds of thousands of junkies on the streets of the United States when the war was over. But a study followed the soldiers home and found something striking. They didn't go to rehab. They didn't even go into withdrawal. 95% of them just stopped after they got home. If you believe the old theory of addiction, that makes no sense. But if you believe Professor Alexander's theory, it makes perfect sense. Because if you're put into a horrific jungle in a foreign country where you don't want to be, and you could be forced to kill or die at any moment, doing heroin is a great way to spend your time. But if you go back to your nice home with your friends and your family, it's the equivalent of being taken out of that first cage and put into a human rat park. It's not the chemicals, it's your cage. We need to think about addiction differently. Human beings have an innate need to bond and connect. When we are happy and healthy, we will bond with the people around us. But when we can't, because we're traumatized, isolated or beaten down by life, we will bond with something that gives us some sense of relief. It might be endlessly checking a smartphone, it might be pornography, video games, Reddit, gambling, or it might be cocaine. But we will bond with something because that is our human nature. The path out of unhealthy bonds is to form healthy bonds, to be connected to people you want to be present with. Addiction is just one symptom of the crisis of disconnection that's happening all around us. We all feel it. Since the 1950s, the average number of close friends an American has has been steadily declining. At the same time, the amount of floor space in their homes has been steadily increasing. To choose floor space over friends, to choose stuff over connection. The war on drugs we've been fighting for almost a century now has made everything worse. Instead of helping people heal and getting their life together, we have cast them out from society. We have made it harder for them to get jobs and become stable. We take benefits and support away from them if we catch them with drugs. We throw them in prison cells, which are literally cages. We put people who are not well in a situation that makes them feel worse and hate them for not recovering. For too long, we've talked only about individual recovery from addiction. But we need now to talk about social recovery, because something has gone wrong with us as a group. We have to build a society that looks a lot more like Rat Park and a lot less like those isolated cages. We are going to have to change the unnatural way we live 
and rediscover each other. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Now that's weird and we're not going to talk about heroin addiction and I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't testify to the truth of everything that was said in there except for one thing. Connection matters. Being lonely is hell. It's an absolute hell. And so, I was at this conference at Northway and it was all about, you know, connection and keeping people connected. And a couple of weeks ago, we gave, I gave you a message about is your, is your FOMO stronger than your whatever the other thing was, I can't remember it now. But it was about ultimately FOMO, the fear of missing out, is about connection. Like that's what the social media craze and everything is about being connected to some degree. But here's a problem. Here is a challenge. I made a mistake a couple of weeks back when I was actually talking about FOMO and the reasons that you should come to Shabbat services. And I said, you know, gosh, how could you, how, what are you going to be missing? And, and God wants you here and honor the Shabbat and honor him. And that's all true. But it removes a couple of very important elements. One is life. Life happens. Someone, not Forrest Gump, came up with a different saying that if we're honest is actually quite true. I won't quote it exactly, but it's poo-poo happens. That's the phrase that has been used about things that go bad in life. Stuff happens to us. Life is not perfection. And we have an infinite number of sayings and verses and maxims and teachings and, and they all tell us about accepting the bad. Although all things work together for good and we have gamzula tova, this too is for the good and we have, you know, those are true things but it doesn't make life when it's difficult any less difficult to live. But there is a... Uh, 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 there are a number of reasons that I've, that I've determined why people don't come to services regularly and do not fear this is not what this message is about. I already gave you one of those messages. But I'm drawing on that one simply to point out a mistake I made. People are not here. Some are legitimate reasons. Some are like, I just don't care. But for the most part, life happens. Life is difficult. Does anyone have a challenge with that statement? Has everyone's life been like skiing on a bunny slope in Vail, Colorado with just no problems? You just put your skis on and the slope is like that and you just make your way down. If you have, please come up and teach right now about how you did it because I don't know anybody like that. And you see, like, as I said then, I live here basically at this synagogue. I'm here all the time. Uh, whatever craziness would prompt me to say I'm going to be here all day and all night tonight. What's the matter with me? No. I live here. I love being here. I love you guys. And I think everyone should be here all the time. But that's not life. There is a second important consideration. I hope you followed me on that one. We as human beings are prone to, 
we are not programmed this way, but we are prone to avoid obligations. We don't like to be told what we're supposed to do. And so there are good and biblical reasons why someone comes to services, but do you know why you will come to services? It's a deep, I mean, you are going to really just follow me as I say this because I really want you to get this. Do you know why you'll come to services? Because you want to. <laughs> Got it? Man, that's deep stuff, I know. But that's, do you know why you'll do anything in life? For the most part, because you want to. Now, there are certain things like, you know, we, we have to go to job, we have to do these things, and we hope that those are things we want to do, but they're not always. But for the most part, many of the decisions that we make in life are because we want to. If you like something or someone, you'll do whatever needs to be done because you desire to do it, to be there, to be with them. Now, here's the problem. Whatever is done out of obligation can never compete with what is done out of desire. What you are obligated to you to do cannot compete with what you want to do. Now, there is a reason why North Point Community Church is the third largest church in the world, and I witnessed it when I, in the United States, and I witnessed it. That whole video is not about heroin addiction. That actually is what it's about. It's about addiction and how we've handled that wrong. But the closing points and the whole premise of the video is why North Point Community Church is the third largest church in America. The word is Connection, connection, connection. And I saw it when I was there. Like, you just cannot believe the number of people that were there volunteering for this conference. And like, get this, we pull into the parking lot. We parked far away because we were parked under the shade. They, had, they served lunch, but it was pork barbecue, so that wasn't going to work for us. We had, uh, my colleague brought in a kosher meal, so we went over there and parked far away. As we were walking in in the morning from our far parking place, tootling down the parking lot in a golf cart, would you like some Krispy Kreme? I'm not kidding. They had, and they were hot. And I was forever connected. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, but, but I'm telling you that as one small example of the way that not only did they connect to everyone else, but they were very connected. But, but the way they've done that is not by what happens at, at church. It's by what happens for them out, within going out into their own small groups, their communities. And let me say this, this is, this is something that, well, forget it. People love to be there. Their staff, their attendees, do you know why they love to be there? Because they want to be there. Because it makes them feel good to be there. And much of what we do in life is because it makes us feel good. Not everything, but much. 
and they've built something amazing. And this is the phrase I had written prior to hearing this. I wrote, it's not really built on theology, I don't think. That's 100% confirmed now. That's a guarantee. I went on to say not to detract from the teachers. They're more educated than I am in terms of the letters after their names. The truth is I don't agree with some of their theology. Scratch that from the notes. I don't believe or agree with anything I heard from that baseline foundation of their theology. Okay, great. We got that out of the way. They had, and I'm not even kidding you if I could show you this, I could, I had a video of it. They had, as I already alluded to, a video system, a video booth, a sound booth, and some other thing that looked like something out of a military installation. And as the conference began, this is their main worship service center place, the, a guy like came in from the back with cordless microphones. You ever been at a conference, you know, and you're waiting for the thing to come along and all of a sudden you hear somebody singing, they're singing, come in a long time since I rock and roll. And then up in the aisle, here comes the aisle and he's dancing and he's got all this going on. Bam, hallelujah. And they sang the greatest showman song with exploding confetti and smoke machines. Confetti shot out from cannons on the stage and fell all over the, the conference crowd. I mean, and then walking down the kids area, who's been to a Disney park? Anyone? This is positive, this isn't negative. Confetti's a little negative, but going down the kids department looked like Main Street Disney. There were these incredible facades and movie theaters, pizza parlor, like unbelievable stuff that they had, okay? And like, if that's your experience, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not bashing that. It's so far from our experience that like, th this is about as decorative as we get, I think. And had I known that this was going, I would have asked Sabrina to get a confetti cannon. <laughs> For 5.30 tomorrow when Shavuot's coming to an end, bam, hog Sameach! Confetti falls. But with all that, their world is still built on connection because you can actually get lost in that, obviously. So they knew that they needed to have connection and that's what makes that happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if a number of the things that they did there were all volunteer. You know what the second highest budget item on North Point Community's budget is, according to one of their leaders? Childcare. Not at Sunday services, though. They reimburse childcare for their small groups wherever they meet, and they have thousands of them. Uh, so their world is built on connection. And they have a couple of taglines. 
By the way, the message last week was probably like the most popular message we've ever put on Facebook. There are a couple hundred people who have listened to it, which for Nahumuami is, is pretty high. Uh, they're probably going to be listening to this message and say, this guy's schizophrenic. Like, what is his problem? No, we're going to, as I said, mind the good. We're going to mind the good. But they have these taglines there. Connecting people relationally so they can grow spiritually. Life is better connected. Life is better in circles, not rows. Which I thought was just ingenious. Like, I'm here talking to you, right? We don't have any real engagement other than the occasional bad joke I tell where you laugh. Rows are one thing, but life is better in circles because they are connected and we communicate with one another that way. We have dialogue. I like that. But it's, it's a crazy way to say it, but the reason I showed you that video is because North Point is Rat Park. They've created Rat Park. Like, they have all these other things, but it's the connection that keeps people from the heroin water bottle, whatever that is. Whatever it is, your heroin water bottle, wherever you are, God forbid, but they've created Rat Park where I've got to be there for the connection part of it. Tribes. We talked about tribes it's good. We had, I broke my, I broke my blue, blue bracelet and I need to get another one. But we have community. We have community, but a community without connection is absolutely not a community. And please do not misunderstand me to say that I am saying we do not have connection. We do have connection. And that connection is getting stronger and that connection is getting better. And I see new faces here. I've seen more new faces here in the last six months than I have in the last four years. And that's good. But, you know, there's this funny thing about, I've done this unofficial experiment of, uh, of connection that I've conducted. When I do teaching messages, some people like them. Some people come up and say, you know, that was good. I learned something. You know, thank you for that insight. But for the most part, that's one of those, I have to do the occasional, hey, to keep everybody awake so they're not like falling asleep during those messages. When I do a message where something just hits me emotionally, and I don't ever like to cry because I think and have seen that abused in theatrics so many times from this place. I don't like to do that, but sometimes it happens, or sometimes you reveal a personal detail about something or a struggle you're having. Do you know what the, do you know what the post-Shabbat uh, interview looks like at that point? Man, that was, that was a great message. Oh my goodness, I really, I got that. I connected with, thank you for sharing. Like, why? Because we establish a connection. Because those feeling messages, like, why don't you want me to just teach teaching messages all the time? Don't you want to grow spiritually? Yes, of course you do. But when you grow emotionally and connectedly from me, then we can grow more easily together spiritually. That's 
science, but it's, it's fact. Services and study, they're absolutely part of, a, of life, but living it together is where the connection happens. And so here's the deal. A good leader, which I'm always wanting to be, can admit mistakes, right? A good leader can do it. For years, Kelly and I have, we've, we've dreamed, we've, we've thought that we've worked, we've thought that we've engaged to have everyone connected all the time. Obviously, we've had people come and go, so clearly that didn't work out. But we did everything that we thought we could do to connect everyone. Now, there are geographic limitations. Number of people drive a couple hours to get here, you know? So there are some challenges there, but I could come back with the old classic, church alive is worth the drive. Anybody ever heard that? Okay. But we came up with that mission statement, a mission statement, a good mission statement that says, loving God, that's learning, loving people, active tense, doing it, that's but the truth is, I thought, well, let's come up with something hip and let's just boil it down and make it simple and that gets the job done. I'll just tell you it and that's it. No, that never, ever, ever works. Ever. I firmly believe in that, that loving God, that's what we, that, that's a big thing. That actually kind of if we look at loving God as learning about God, as modeling, as imitating God, as studying him, that's something that sort of, I don't want to be haughty here, but separates us from many of the religious communities that are out there. It's, it's part of our tribe. We are about learning. We are about getting into discussion, even disagreement, even destroying, you know, going deeper to destroy dogma. And we grow spiritually. But loving each other, we're also good at. But after what I saw at North Point up there and what that thing looks like and what they've built, I could never, ever disparage the church and say, well, you're not building disciples. You know, you're just, you're just giving them fluff. They are giving them fluff and they're fluffing them up with the wrong stuff and they're discipling to them to become that. They are discipling their communities into small connected groups, but you saw what they're teaching them from the top. That's terrible and terrifying. But people are there because it feels good. Here's my mistake. I have not given you the pieces. I have not made this congregation. I have not given you what you need for the success. I can bark at you about showing up at services, and you should, but your obligation can only go so far. You must do what you desire. Desire trumps obligation. Am I still legally allowed to say the word Trump in a religious community, or is someone going to... I'm not making a political statement by saying this. Please don't take it, anyone here or elsewhere. But I did read a statistic that unemployment was at its lowest in 17 years. So that's a good thing, but that's, that's just something that's good for us. So let me say this. I believe that we have created something incredibly special here. And people who visit from other Messianic communities that aren't totally nuts say that too. 
There were some people up in Hudson who've been here. They, they had told other people there about Nahumu Ami, and they said, we're coming down to Georgia. We want to we come there. They told us how beautiful it is and how the people are and, and all this other thing. So we clearly have connection, my friends. And I believe that that is our tribe, and we are unique. We are special. We are beautiful. We've taken amazing steps toward connection. There's love and peace. But what I saw there, we are not there yet. We are not there yet. Why are we not there there? Well, our, our, our friend Andy Stanley had a vision. Did you know that Aunt Kelly and I, when we lived in Atlanta and gotten married, Zach, Kelly, and I went to North Point Community Church in 1997. It was founded in 1996, and he had this vision that he came up with, and he, you know, that... that it was, it was big back then, but even then it was all about small groups. And we attended it, and their vision actually has never changed. I walked those halls. I told you they were amaz- amazing, if, if you're into that. 23 years, though, to get to there. 23 years, not really. The year after they started that church, they bought 83 acres in one of the richest parts of Atlanta, up in Alpharetta in the north area. So they clearly had some support. And their budget exceeded ours by just a notch, but it's not about money. <laughs> we are nine years in August as Nachamuami. We began in 2009. Can you believe that? I can't believe I've survived it. I'm kidding, I love it. And let us never forget all the miracles that we have A lot of miracles, a lot of miracles. I've heard amazing stories. But I I honestly believe that we're only stepping up to the starting line. Are we going to build a mega messianic synagogue with 23,000 adults coming in here every Shabbat in in our six campuses across Macon, Warner Robins, McDonough, is that, is that Nachamu Ami? Well, we're not going to build that. God could. God could do that. I'm not saying that we can't. As of now, we don't have any plans to expand to another campus. We would like to build a fellowship hall, though. That would be nice. Are, are we going to do that? Well, I don't know. God might. Are we going to have these, you know... Uh, t- 40, 37,000 people in middle Georgia coming to learn messianic truth. We can pray for that. I don't know if that's going to happen. I will need you guys to authorize hiring someone in addition to myself if that happens. (laughs) I don't know if we're going to do that, but I know this. And you can look at, if you want to do something well, look at someone's history that's gone before. And I'm going to look at North Point because they have shown excellence in the area of building connections. A leadership team member said, our real mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Yeshua. That's not what he said. Believe me, that's not what he said. That, he said, Jesus Christ. Okay, that's, just a, that's not just a slogan on our wall. We've measured our success by that standard from the beginning. If we ever stop hearing stories of life change, I guarantee you will stop 
doing what we're doing and regroup no matter how many people are attending. That's kind of refreshing. Problem is, what they're growing up and learning is what you heard last week. That's not refreshing. That's not good. But I believe that we have the potential to lead people into the most amazingly powerful, growing relationship with Yeshua as they come to know him for who he was, really was, is, will be. And I can tell you, I can look right around this room and I can tell you for certain stories of life change for people. Lots of them. Lots of them. And so we're doing that. And I believe that Yeshua's words apply to our brand of Messianic Judaism. The harvest is rich, but there's not a lot of us. The laborers are few. I interview these Torah club leaders. By the way, there was a goal. I'll tell you just quick, quick thing. The goal was that by the end of May, that First Fruits would have 30 Torah club leaders across the United States by the end of May. As of the end of that conference, I think we have approaching 100. What does it say? Commercials for First Fruits? No, commercials for hunger. Commercials for people who are like dying to have the ability to teach, but to have connection, to have communities of people coming together and learning. That's a statement of hunger. But every single one of those people says something that is familiar. Something was missing. Something was missing. But here's the second and most important part of what I want to say from their development strategy. I know this is a little bit like boring to be quoting things, but you have to understand this. Up at that community of nearly 40,000, they made a strategic decision, it says, not to focus on growth, but instead to focus on leadership development. As a result, when we moved to our own facility, began regular Sunday morning services, we had a core of leaders who knew exactly what we were trying to do and exactly where they fit in. They knew exactly what we were trying to do and exactly where they fit in. My biggest mistake, I have been so busy being busy that I have not taken the time to develop leaders. Like putting Lance up here, terrified, and just saying, go for it, man, you can do it. Believing in people. Not being a controlling person who tries to do everything. That's a big problem for me. That's not good. That, my friends, is a mistake. Now, you, you know, This sounds incredibly haughty, but I'll say it. You need me because God has put me in charge here. Some days I wonder if he actually thought that through, but he assures me that he has. I trust him. I'm supposed to lead something that's being revealed more and more every day. What is that? I can't tell you exactly what. You know why? Because I need you. All of you, I need you. This has been my biggest mistake, but the great thing is I'm not alone. This should be a message for Parsha Yitro. Remember this, when Moses' father-in-law comes to him and says what? What are you doing, man? You're gonna go crazy. You can't do this on your own. When Moses was, was hearing everything and trying to do everything on his own, Moses was going crazy and and and. And, and 
Jethro comes, Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing you're doing is not right. You'll surely wear yourself out. But here's a thumping, something that I never picked up on before. I never read this before. You will surely wear yourself out. And these people as well. That's an interesting tag. You will wear yourself out and these people as well. For the task is too heavy. You can't do it alone. I'm not saying that I've tried to do it alone, but I have not tried to elevate a community of leaders. And I have taken something from you in that. To be, like, it wasn't fair to the people. How could they connect to the mission, the purpose, the future if Moses did it all? They were connected, capable. They were ready leaders. Moses was on not Rat Park, but he was on a rat wheel and he was disconnected, running and running. Do you know what I read from, uh, I, somebody sent me this from Jonathan Sachs. When, when, when uh, Moses appointed the leaders, basically if you do the math, one in eight of the men of Israel was a leader. Because he says you'll have leaders of the thousands, the hundreds, the tens, right? When you do the math, one of eight of the people in that community was leading something. And there were a lot of people. That's a lot of leaders. That's a lot of leaders. Our congregation needs a core of leaders who know exactly what we're trying to do and exactly where they fit in. My teaching is my teaching. It's not bad. Some days it's good. Some days it's really good. Some days it's really bad. That's okay. It's my teaching. I make you laugh. We have fun. I'm trying to lead you into a growing relationship with your Father in heaven through Messiah Yeshua. And I pray it's going to continue that way. But in the big scheme of things, my teaching is actually a very small part of why you are here or should be here. Who remembers my message from a month ago? It's called Matzah Has a Message. Who remembers that? It, in your defense, it wasn't, it wasn't a very good message. I, lis I listened back to it. I got lost. I fell asleep. It was kind of boring. <laughs> Two months ago, I gave a message called from the Parsha Kitisa. It was called Slaying the Golden Calf. Anyone remember that message? Interestingly, it was about connection. And so here we find ourselves again talking about connection. I think, that, I think that God would like us to know this. But the thing is, you don't go home and internalize all my words and walk out and say, I am going, I'm changed forever by what the rabbi said today. Thank God. That's not why you come here. You come here to connect to God, you come here to connect to each other. And if I have a part to play in that, great. And I'll keep doing that. If you have a part to play in that, and you do, you will impact other people within the community. And as the community grows and is strengthened, you will impact people out there who will come and be a part of this community. That's the way this works. What are you really here for? Connection, that my friends is what moves obligation to desire. In a congregation this size, everyone in here has the opportunity to be a core of leaders 
who know exactly what we're trying to do and exactly where you fit in. There are not that many people here, so don't take that rule of Jethro and say, well, one in eight, okay, let's see. So that's not me. I don't have to do anything. There's another people for that math. No, all the more reason. Do you know what leaders have? They have connection and they have desire. They have connection in a number of ways, but they are driven by desire. They are driven by desire for some greater purpose. What I ask you is your gift. What are you going to lead? What are you going to do? You're the only one who knows. Service projects outside the congregation, let's talk. Become a leader in that area. Small groups, let's talk. Let's come up with a program for how Shabbat supper clubs could work or how we can build something where people are not just facing the same direction on a Shabbat for two hours. That's not connection. That needs a leader. That needs somebody to help facilitate that. Organization, we've got a lot of things that need to be organized. Kitchens, office, kids' rooms, all kinds of things. Maybe that's a gift. Parties, you know what? Shavuot and all the different things that we do. Let's talk. If you have a gift and an ability, well, I can't do any of those things, Damien. Well, what can you do? It's time for me to call on you to do something. And I'm not lecturing you. I'm telling you I've taken from you what should be yours. That is to lead, to serve, to make a difference and connect this congregation. Construction, can you build? Let's talk. Hospitality, I don't see anyone at those doors greeting new faces when they come. Are you good at that? Let's talk. Prayer. Pat Maggard has done a good job of trying to stay connected to people in prayer. Pat herself and Jerry are going through things that need prayer. We need people to connect the community in prayer. Let's talk. You can do this. What can you do? And in every one of those things, and many more that I did not mention, you are connecting and furthering the mission. You're investing in someone's life. You're building something and you have a place to fit in. You're adding value to your own life. Northway on a Sunday, nearly 40,000 people go in and out of those doors and it doesn't matter if we hit those numbers, we don't need to. They have their purpose. We have our purpose as our tribe. We have our purpose. We have a common core need. We are not rats in a park. We're children of the Most High God. He has called us to partner with him in his kingdom, building this kingdom adventure. What can you do? The Torah of life, Damien? What, what in the world does that have to do with this message? That doesn't, I mean, how does that connect? Here's the thing. It's, this is what I'm gonna say in closing. When you walked in today, you probably didn't see the image that I saw. In the hall, right out there by the table is a, is a palm frond, a plant. It's been there since 2015 when we remodeled the synagogue. It survived well. The soil's never been changed. 
it gets watered like every six weeks when I think about it and look at it and say, man, that thing doesn't look so good. So I'll take it outside. But I walked in today and I saw it and it's not really not looking good. Like it has brown leaves that a whole part of it has died. And then you walked in here. Who saw that? Anyone notice that? See, that's why I'm the leader of this congregation because I'm constantly looking for things that could be done better so that I can stand up here and tell you how bad you are. (laughs) Then you walked in here and what happened? You walked in, you said, wow, oh, oh, that looks beautiful. Look at that and it's different. And what is it though? It's life, it's life. Shavuot, thriving fronds and flowers and plants. And then I was gonna, I asked, I saw that contrast and I was, I did ask Miranda. I said, go out there and cut that nasty brown stuff off there. That's, that's not consistent with, with us, but it's actually the message. It's actually what needed to be known. This room right here represents connection in a very significant way. It represents connection. We're talking about like Torah. We're talking about connecting to God. We're connecting to corporate prayer, religion, and that's not not a bad word. Religion can be a really good word, religion and relationship. And that speaks to our thing. This is like a room of connection and it's, it's life. That's what I walk in when I see this, life. And we're doing it, why, for Shavuot? Because Unlike what Andy Stanley said, that's his message out there. A dead, dying, lifeless, brown plant. That's what life is without what we have in here. When we have connection to God and we have this sort of connection to each other, it's where we connect and we desire to be here, but that sad plant out there, it represents a person who doesn't know what they're missing. They're on the outside. And there are so many people on the outside who have dying brown branches, who are dying for connection. And that whole thing about addiction and how we treat addicts and and all those things, That might be true. I don't know that for sure, but I certainly know it in the spiritual community that there are a number of people who are looking desperately for a place where they can come and find life and connection and love and beauty and all these things. But it takes, I'm not gonna quote, I don't even know if Hillary really said that. I don't like that. It takes a village, but takes a community of leaders. It takes a community of people invested. We need to connect internally and externally. I need you and you need me and they need us. Who is this they? I don't know, let's figure it out. Let's find them, let's find ourselves. Please, please, I'm saying this, not, as a, not, as, not, not even in com- like what I said a few weeks ago. Please, come and connect, be a part of things. Show up on services, that's great. But do more. 
And this is like the one thing that people, that, that all like community builders say, do not tell your people that if they're gonna be happy, they need to come and do more religious things. Don't tell people that. That will drive them away. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you you need to do more, take more time away from your family and, and you're working hard and you're doing all this. I'm simply asking you to find out what God would have you do not what I tell you to do, what God would have you do to build and foster his kingdom. I need you, we need each other, and they need us. Shabbat shalom and an early Hag Sameach. Tonight we begin the festival of Shavuot, where God first connected with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai.